With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's the latest, everyone? Welcome back to the In the Paint show presented by Ball is Life. Ronnie, we're coming to everybody a little bit later this week uh, because we've been running around like chickens with our heads cut off for the Ball is Life All-American game, which is happening in a couple days. Um, but let's get right into the first topic, the probing the paint topic this week. Three on three hoops, man. It's it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing. And yesterday, Red Bull announced that they have partnered with USA Basketball to bring three on three basketball to the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Wow. That's big time, right? That's a big time thing because it's more basketball for the Olympics while other sports are, in essence, being cut. Being cut, yeah. Seems that little, wow. So that's big. And then three on three is great because hopefully young, more young kids play three-on-three, three and get into doing it and play a little bit outdoors. Now, I know we're in the big money era, and you know, especially with the big men, they're not going to play outside. I had that experience with the Elite 24 out at Venice Beach. After a while, some of the bigger kids were like, and their parents and the people they dealt with were like, well, we don't really want them playing outdoors. And he's 6'10", you know, we want yeah. him. So it's very interesting. Obviously, with the younger guards, it's a little more, it maybe it's quote-unquote acceptable, but it's still a great thing overall. Uh, I'm very interested to see how this goes, and I'm very, very interested to see what our special guest has to say about it. Yeah, so we're going to have a, a special guest on, uh, Chris Mullen, former uh, NBA All-Star, NBA Hall of Famer, played at St. John's. Uh, one of the greatest shooters one ever. One of the greatest shooters of all time. Um, and let, let's get down to the, kind of the, the, the grit of this and kind of break down how this is going to look. So obviously it's going to start with the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. There's going to be eight men's teams and eight women's teams, so women also get this opportunity, which is awesome. Uh, there'll be 20 qualifying tournaments across the United States with regional qualifiers and finals to see which squad gets to represent the United States. So not only is it um, going to be in the 2020 Olympics, but there's going to be a s- long sweeping, uh, you know, 20 qualifying events across multiple uh, U.S. cities uh, beginning in June of 2019. So this is getting this is getting going pretty quickly. Like this has been in the works for a long time. And uh, so games will be played on a half court, which I think is an important little tool of course. there. Yeah. Um, with a 10-minute game clock and 12-second shot clock, uh, the winner is the first to 21 points or whoever ha- whichever team has the lead at the end of the shot, uh, end of the game clock. So it's a quick game, 12-second uh, shot clock, obviously quick shot clock. So you're going to see some... No you know, dribbling, no, no yeah, pounding yeah, the yeah, ball, yeah, which we like. You're going to see a lot of pounding. You're going to see a lot of ball movement, uh, player quick movement. Move. You better be quick and have a first good step. Seriously, it's going to be it's going to be really cool because I think yeah. this is going to help... Um, I mean, these people, the play, the people who are going to be in this already, you know, are very have, good players. They're yeah. already very good players and already have kind of their career arc set. But if this catches on, Ronnie, this could the help young, the younger generation yeah, of it's players. Help the younger generations watch them. We, I just saw Monty Bates at the EYBL, and of course, all great players emulate the greats. So, Monty Bates, let people yeah, know who. Yeah, who don't know Monty who he is. Bates is the 2022, probably the best player in the country in that class. You know, we haven't named our class players of the year yet, but he's the odds-on favorite to be the national freshman of the year, and. You know, he was playing in the EYBL um, in Atlanta, and he was just obviously like we. What I'm, my point was, you emulate the great players. So when we were kids, we some kids stuck out their tongue like Michael Jordan wore the long socks. So this kid obviously looks like Kevin Durant and shoots like him. 
and moves like him in essence, you can't escape it. You know what I mean? So yeah. this is going to your point. If you they start watching a bunch of three on three, especially in the Olympics, and it catches on, then well, then a bunch of kids say, "Hey, let's go play on three on three outside." outside. That's great. That's the key. That's the point. Because we're, the point we're talking. Yeah, about. a lot of times yeah. I see on on Twitter or some people like tweeting, oh, "Anyone got gym time today?" It's like. Yeah. If you don't have gym time and you can't acquire you it, go, go outside. Do something else. You just go do something else. Go outside yeah. and, yeah. Or you yeah. go play on your phone. If you don't have gym time, who's who's that 24 hour? Nobody. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm playing on then my phone. Then you go home and play on your phone or play yeah. video games or whatever. Yeah. Instead of go find an yeah. outside court. court with a chain net. And just go shoot. Or no net. Oh, yeah. And no net. Go chase the ball. I, man, Make I, the... I hate it. That's the one thing, dude. Just chase the, the ball. ball. I hated when <laughs> you have a, have a, have a no perfect net. Perfect shot. Yeah. Perfect shot. No, no net. Just the rim, and it's right through the net, and it goes, it goes a hundred feet yeah. down the other way. Well, that's what you, have what to you guys have to be uh, on it, you know. Yeah. Like the other guys on it. Usually, the other I remember that from my experience. The other team is on it, man. Like they want to take that ball out fast or move it back up, you know. Like playing outdoors or like they go, hey, check ball. I'm checking it right here. Like you know, you know, you you could funnies. You can see the guys who don't play a lot of half court because they're like. Well, you you checked the ball. You didn't go all the way back to the line. We're like, dude, I'm checking it right here. Like, we're going. We're ready. Like, we're live. Right. You know, it's funny. The little things you pick up on. And every city plays half court different. Yeah. You know, winners out, losers out. You know, uh, win by two. There's, I mean, there's right. Win so by many. two. You have to win by two, and if you, you got to yeah. make a three to, to, to close win the it. game out. Yeah. yeah. There's a million different ways you can skin the cat, so to say. So this is very exciting, very interesting. More, you know, I like to know a little bit more about it. So. um, what you know, the, De, you know, Dev, Devin, give a little more uh, background from what you found out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just going to be an all inclusive type of of thing. Like, I believe that you know, Red Bull and and USA Basketball really want to make this a thing and end up having NBA players be part in the future. Like, and this is in, in, the, in future. the future, yeah. NBA players be part of what this is kind of all about, um, and have them competing for. An Olympic gold medal in three on three. Can wow. you imagine that? Yeah. Can you imagine KD like KD, and, LeBron, and Steph Curry right. on a three on three Zion team? Zion Williamson. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard and, and the Greek Freak. Right. Yeah. Like I could see that. That would be pretty cool. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't that be pretty dope? I think yeah. it'd be cool. Yeah. You see who can really play it. Like our guy Jim Jones likes to say is famous saying, you know, half court separates the man from the boys, and it's kind of something. It does. And it's kind of funny what our guy Jared Dudley was kind of mentioning that earlier this. This this NBA playoffs in the first round, he kind of made a statement about, well, he's very good in the open court. He was talking about somebody. Ben was, Simmons. He's very good in the open court, and, and he, but he's, but he's not. average in the half court. court. Well, that's kind of like a sweet me statement for a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like, it's true, but it's also true for 300 other guys. Well, especially at the high school level. A lot yeah. of kids are very good in transition because they're at, they use their yeah. athleticism and yeah. all that good you know that stuff great but again you get into a half court game and start grinding them down. down you have a team who executes in the half court and have guys who work on that constantly yeah. with whether it's in practice and in game reps and sometimes those teams end up beating a yeah. better more athletic team because they're able to execute in the half court and i think this kind of um helps that along and helps hopefully helps kids get outside and play three on three um, in the future and kind of take their games to another level. Gotcha. You played three on three as a kid, right? Yeah, Outside? yeah definitely. What, um, what kinds of things did you learn from that? Uh, I learned how to move the ball. I learned how to move without the ball. Um, I also learned how to make sharper cuts. You got less space, especially you don't know where you're playing. I don't know, it could be a sand a court with a lot of dirt on it. A dirt, 
you know, some outdoor courts, all the corner, four corners are a bunch of dirt and grime. You don't even go there. Right. So everything's tight. Yeah. Like, you don't go all the way to the corner. Right. Sometimes there's leaves and shit. <laughs> there's shit on the, yeah, leaves there's and stuff on the ground. Glass on the ground. So right. You're, you're making it tight. You, right. You cut everything tight. You know what I mean? So the, I think you learn how to... You don't have to, everybody's not a trash talker, but you learn how to stand up for yourself a little bit. Maybe a little bit of toughness. Yeah, yeah. You learn how to stand up for yourself. Hey, you know, uh, no, that's our ball. No, out on you. Right. You got to maybe some kind of honor system to it. You know, the ball tips, there's a million hands going for it, and it's out on you. Well, F you. No, shoot the die. (laughs) Shoot the die then. You shoot it. I shot the last one. You shoot this one. Your shit's right. off. Exactly. It's off. It's our ball. Yeah. Don't even shoot it. It's our ball. Exactly. You're gonna miss it. Exactly. That kind of thing. And we have you a guy. I mean? We have a guy on the phone right now who who probably knows all about that from his days playing outside in New York. Uh, Chris Mullen, NBA Hall of Famer, um, an ambassador for Three on Three Hoops. Welcome to the show, Chris. My pleasure. How you guys doing? Doing well, man. Uh, right. Let's uh, let's jump right into your role as an ambassador for Three on Three Hoops. What made you kind of take that take that on? Yeah, well, USA Basketball contacted me, um, and I've been playing with USA Basketball since I was in high school. Uh, so that attraction right there uh, got my attention. Uh, and actually, about six, seven years ago, I went over to Bangkok when they first started talking about uh, initiating getting three-on-three as a new discipline in the Olympics, which at that time I thought was a far-fetched uh, idea. Um, but I watched the uh, the enthusiasm in Thailand and just the number of people participating um, so when it came back around uh, just a few weeks ago with Red Bull's uh, backing and and their and their strong sponsorship, I decided it was it was a, it was a good time to to get involved and 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 see this thing through. Definitely, Chris. Uh, we've been talking about how great this is for young kids. They obviously, uh, they want to emulate the stars they see, so they're emulating like KD and Steph. And I think if this catches on. They'll, we'll see more kids say, hey, let's go outside and play instead of looking for a run at a 24-hour fitness or something like that. Yeah, I think what's going to happen, guys, is over time, because there's different rules, right? So there's a 12-second shot clock. Uh, it's a 10-minute game of first to 21. Right. Uh, anything behind a three is a two, and anything inside is a one. So I think first, kids will start playing those rules. That, that's a big uh, a thing to adapt to. Um, and then the, the skill level becomes prominent okay so athleticism strength quickness and length all those things are always going to have a place in in basketball for sure uh but but with these rules uh the skill set is is probably more emphasized and you mentioned kd clay and steph uh the the reason that the three of the best players in the world is their skill is just out of this world uh and they're very versatile so they can switch on defense they can play off the dribble they can play catch and shoot they, they play all over the court and it doesn't matter who they're playing against, they can adapt uh, their skills accordingly. Chris, I think that's a great point you bring up, how they can play the catch and shoot. They move without the ball. They utilize screens well. They know how to set up and come off a screen. And I think those are all things that, uh, you know, the little things of the game that kids don't really understand these days. Um, For you, growing up in New York, playing on some of those legendary outdoor courts, do you have any, you know, skills that you might have uh, acquired or learned uh, playing three-on-three in those settings? You know, I, I think the, 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 the biggest thing is all your skills are exposed. So in a three-on-three setting, you can't really hide, right? So if you're, you know, if, if, if us three are playing and, and they come double me and I throw to you, you're wide open and you don't shoot, that's telling someone this guy's afraid to shoot, okay? Yeah. Hey, Chris, Chris, I would shoot it, man. Trust me. I would <laughs> I would let that thing fly. You got to you got to launch. You know, yeah. if, if you if you keep missing, I won't throw it to you. But after, but if you're so so in a three on three game, all skills are exposed defensively, just containing the ball, playing straight up man to man defense in the post, right? So all these things 
uh, at every level, really. That that was the way I learned the game. You know, so when I was a kid in New York, as you add players, so you play one on one, right? It's a simple game. It's me versus you, right? Two on two. There's a little different dynamic. As you add players, the game changes a little bit. But three on three is the is the purest form of basketball because there's no help side defense. Uh, you guys are watching the NBA playoffs. It's so prominent how you occupy the weak side of the floor. So most NBA sets are three guys on one side, two on another, and they're trying to get their three best players, like you mentioned, K, Steph, uh, KD, Steph, and Clay, to function while the weak side cannot help. Uh, so we always use it as a learning, as a teaching tool. Uh, we use it for conditioning. As you guys mentioned, whether it be catch and shoot, playing off one or two dribbles, setting good screens, knowing angles, uh, and really just function as a unit, as a team. That makes sense, Chris. Um, you know, growing up, you obviously became uh, one of the better college players at St. John's and became one of the best shooters in the NBA. So talk a little bit about high school and what you learned, because you may not have been the most athletic guy. Obviously, people will say, well, Chris ain't got the foot speed, but look at that beautiful triple threat. Look at that outside shot. How did you? How did that help you? And maybe some guys like Mario Alley or some of the other guys you grew up with, how did they... How did, how did they define your game? Who are some of the other guys that helped your game to go to that next level? Yeah, so I heard you guys just as, as we as we came on talking about playing in, in the parks and, yeah. and, and uh, trash talking and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. so the first thing I learned was you got to bring your game each and every day. What you did the day before it does not matter. You know, yeah. they, maybe those people weren't at the park. So when you show up, you you better have a good game, or they're gonna they're gonna trash talk, talk you out of the park. Um, the competitive nature of, of three on three of any, any any game in the park is if you win you stay on the court if not if you lose you get off so it's as simple as that um, but I played with so, so many great players like you mentioned Mario I played with Mario in uh, as a freshman at Powell Memorial Academy in Midtown Manhattan uh, he was cut from our freshman team and wow. and actually I think he's still pissed off he's still, he's still <laughs> Uh, yeah, he went on Jedi. And had an incredible career. You know, he played here with the, at, with the Warriors with myself and, and Mitch and Tim. Uh, under Nelly, went on to Portland, then had you know championship seasons at Houston. So just a, a great story of of uh, you know just discipline and, and work ethic and, and really just keep on you know living his dream. Uh, Ed Pickney, Pearl Pearl Washington, Mark Jackson, Walter Berry, all these guys. I played at Riverside Church up at uh, up in Harlem there by Columbia University. And we had an incredible team. Um, I, I think we made a loss one game in, in four summers. Wow. And what we did back then, we, you talk about the parks. Everyone knows about Rutgers now because it's on TV. But we would play in all the boroughs. You know, Brooklyn had Brooklyn, USA, which was in, in, in downtown Brooklyn. Uh, out in Queens, there was an was a, a organization called Elm Corps. Um, in Manhattan was citywide. Tiny Archibald had his tournament up at the Mitchell Houses. Um, and all these, all these except except Tiny's tournament, they were all outside. So once once our, our season ended, we didn't we didn't go back in the gym until November. We were always playing outside in the parks. Uh, there was big crowds, and more importantly, it was for when the games were over, we would hang in the park and maybe keep playing. So if we played a fight, we we would go play three on three. Uh, like I said earlier, it's a huge part of how I learned to play. Because I learned angles, I learned different shots, uh, how to get open, what to do when I don't have the ball. Um, and, and this day of analytics, and, and there, there is a place for it, but the kids today, they learn three-point shot. If you watch a kid walk in the gym, the first thing he does is go to the three-point line and start launching shots sure. or get all the way to the rim. And there's a place for that, but there's a whole other world of basketball 
uh, out there with moving out the ball, setting screens, spacing, you know, uh, keeping occupied. So there's a whole different dynamic. I think in a way has been lost. And I think ultimately it'd be great if three on three becomes that teaching tool again. So we can incorporate the balance of the three, uh, the, the, the mid range game and the, and the free throw. Because to me, One's better than zero. I know three is great, but <laughs> yeah. if you're just casting up threes and not making them, so it gets back to right the quality of shot. How, how can you generate good quality shots? And to me, in my mind, it's always who you're playing with. You know, what's underrated, and I know a lot of teams do it now, is they give screen assists mm. or they give cut assists. So, so you, you got to reward the fourth and fifth guy for being active and being a good teammate and playing the game the right way. Yeah, that that's good. Great insight, Chris. You know, you're coming into your senior year, you know, fall of 1980. Uh, did you see yourself in the level with Pat Ewing, uh, you know, Ed Pinkney, those the top players in that group? And then how did you foresee yourself? Like, did you ever think about, I'm going to be in the Olympian one day? You know, because I know a lot of players back then sometimes thought, you know, I may stay another year of college because I want to play in the 80 Olympics or, hey, I might want to play in the, the 1984 Olympics. Talk us a little bit about your senior year. I know you got hurt, missed some games. And then, you know, when did you get the confidence that, hey, I'm as good as these guys. And then, hey, you know, I, I, I could be on this Olympic team. Yeah. Um, so back then, so when I was in high school, my confidence wavered, quite frankly. It was really, I was one of those guys, if I played well against a great player, I felt that day, yeah, I could play with him. But it didn't carry over to where, like, I'm at this level forever. Whoever was coming yeah. up next, I felt I had to prove myself that next game, whoever that next player was. Um, the Olympic experience, so my freshman year, I had a good season my freshman year. My sophomore year, I had a really, really good year. I mean, I was shooting, I was moving. I was, one of my best uh, jumps in, in basketball is from my freshman to sophomore year. Um, I made the Pan-American team that summer, so I tried out for that team with a lot of the same guys, Patrick and Michael, yeah. uh, Ed Pickney, all those guys were on that team. Yeah, the class of 81 uh, guys, yeah, that makes sense. Right, so that was, that was 83, my, uh, my junior, I had a good year. So, then, so again, so the Olympics were totally different back then. In 84, it was a straight tryout. So it was invitations. I think there was about 85 or 90 players initially invited to Bloomington to try out. So again, old school, where you were on the court being, you know, watched and, and critiqued. And they would make cuts just like back in the day when, you know, you try for your school team and they put the list up in, in, the, in the gym. Right. You see if your name is there. That's basically what it was. And they did it gradually. So we went from, say, 90 to 60, from 60 to 30, from 30 to 16. And you just had to keep fighting your way through. Um, so so along the way, look, you're, we were practicing three times a day. So when people think that's impossible, we were practicing three times a day. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you gain your confidence by each and every day showing up. Um, and you guys probably know there was some incredible, great players cut from that team for different reasons. Charles Barkley, John yep. Stockton, Carl Malone, the list goes on of players that were cut. Um, yeah, so the confidence thing to me is really about, and you guys were talking about earlier, is on the court, not not by social media. And I was always taught, too, if your opponent says you're good, you're good. If you're saying it, eh, you might be good. But if your yeah. opponent <laughs> says you're good, you're damn good then. Yep. Yeah, so that kind of leads us into the, the eighty four your yeah. eighty four gold medal team when yeah. uh, you were you know it's the last team made up of college players to win an Olympic gold medal. Yeah. You were on that, um, and then the ninety two dream team, uh, obviously one of the most storied collections of basketball talent on one team ever. 
you got any any fun stories from either of those teams uh, that you can share with us here? You know, first, a, a totally different experience, right? So that team was selected. I yeah. was just fortunate enough to be playing at a high level at that time. Um, international rules dictates shooting becomes a priority. So I was fortunate to be named to that team. Uh, a lot of stories are, are legendary and, and most of them are out there. But what really sticks out in my mind, really, um, is just like the day-to-day um, dream. You know, they call it the dream team. To me, what's the dream? Waking up, you know, going to practice with Michael and Patrick and Larry and Magic. And you just go down the, the, the list of names and – yeah, we had fun, and, and there wasn't a whole lot of competition, but the, the professionalism and the way guys conducted themselves and the vision that there was more at stake than just um, winning that game, it was how we were doing it, uh, playing as a team, including everybody, uh, setting a high standard, not only for, for future uh, USA teams, but the way the game of basketball is played in general. And, uh, you know, Magic and Larry led that charge. Obviously, Michael and Charles were the best players at that time. And we all bought into our roles. And what I love the best about that team, obviously a collection of incredible talent. But within two or three days, we became a team. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a collection of all-stars. Everyone was uh, secure in their careers, comfortable in their skin. Uh, so we played our roles. We enjoyed it. And it had a huge impact uh, on the growth of basketball globally. Mm-hmm. As we see a third of the NBA is international-born players. Uh, so the impact is everlasting. Yeah, that makes sense. And hopefully this three-on-three could be ever everlasting, Chris. Um, you know, just kind of close out with uh, what do you hope to see with, with the growth this year? And, and like you said, you guys were professionals. You guys accepted your roles. You know, sometimes these kids are more worried, like you said, about what they put on social media, you know, some highlight that doesn't really show what their game. What, what, what hopefully do you see and envision with, with this initiative that Red Bull and USA is undertaking? You know, I, I feel with, with, with the backing of USA Basketball and Red Bull, uh, three-on-three is going to, you know, carve out its own niche as its own kind of separate sport, right? The, the, the long-term, it can be kids that grow up that don't have the height uh, or the strength but can carve out a career in three-on-three. Um, so I think that, that that's exciting, the, the inclusion of all people, right? So the level playing field, I think that alone gives uh, all players at all, all different uh, sizes uh, hope, and, and a dream that can come true. Can you imagine being a kid that can really play, but it was always cut because of their size or quickness or, or whatever the physical attributes are. But here in three on three, you can have an opportunity and a real dream to, to represent your country in the Olympics. I think it's an incredible uh, story of hope. Uh, and I think that's going to be, that's going to have a long uh, impact. And as we talked a lot about, you know, learning the, the way to play the game, I think long-term, and we've always used it as a teaching tool. If we kind of emphasize the three on three game, uh, you know, whether it be playing without the ball, as, as we talk, catch and shoot, that it can have a good impact on the five-on-five game as well. Chris, that's all great stuff. And before we let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So two questions before we let you get out of here. Yeah. First question, um, if you had a choice of yourself and any other two players of all time to play three-on-three, who would it be? And the second is current NBA players, three NBA players right now who you'd pick for your three-on-three team. Okay, myself, Michael, and Larry. Okay. That'd be my three. And right now, we you already talked about it. KD, Steph, and Clay. And then the reason being um, their their ability to play catch and shoot because in these rules, it's a twelve second shot clock. So you really want to pass, catch and shoot. Sets you want to you want to attack quickly, right? 
and ideally from beyond the two, right? So you get two points. Uh, so they're, they're versatile, uh, flexibility, offensive, defensive, to me would, would be, you know, unmatched. Chris, we appreciate your time, man. We're looking forward to seeing how this all plays out, and we're hoping it catches on globally, man. Appreciate your time. Okay, just, just remember, you open, let it go, man. Don't, don't hesitate. Hey, I trust me, man. I never. <laughs> Ronnie knows me. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows me. I'm a shooter. That's all I do. Three point line, three point line. I shoot. Catch and release. Catch and release. <laughs> That's right. All right, Chris. Thanks a lot, man. All right, guys. See you, man. That's Chris Mullen. Great stuff. Um, what can you say about it's it? It's great. Just, it's great talking to another shooter. That's yeah. on my level. I like as him because he's a lefty shooter, and, I, and that's what I am. You right. know, the lefty triple threat. So it's funny, but you know, he didn't hesitate there, uh, Devin. On I any mean, of them, yeah. On Magic and Larry, I, I still don't think the young kids know how good these two guys were. Yeah. Like I mean, well, he, I said Michael. Seeing, he said Michael. Yeah, right? I said Michael yeah. and, and and Larry. Yeah. And you know, and what I'm saying by that is those three guys. I kind of bunch them together for sure. Is, yeah. Is you know, I met, I look at it as like even when he saw like um, them in the final All Star game before that Olympics. Yeah. You know, meaning the '92 All Star game. I'm pretty sure it was in Orlando, if I recall. I mean, Mullen would just be his, his, just his, uh, like his zest for the game was just like, man, I'm cool. I'm playing with these guys. Like he was so appreciative of it because his career, like he said, at times it wavered his confidence. You know, he wasn't yeah. always. Uh, like considered on the Patrick Ewing Jordan level in that class, you know, right. it's like okay, Mullins, that New York guy, yeah, he's a he's a white, white lefty guy shooter. That shoots, yeah. is is he really gonna be that good at St. John's? Can he go by anybody? Can he go by anybody? You know, and then he got he got hurt his senior year. We didn't get too deep into that, but he, he missed like 10, 12 games, may, maybe close to half the season. And and back then, that's very important. Yeah, like missing ten to twelve games is basically half a season. Yeah, you know, you're you're not. He's not on social media and things yeah, like that. Yeah, there's no. He's now. not. Chris Mullins not tweeting his highlights. No. <laughs> Nineteen eighty four or whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, you know he's part of that grade eighty one class in terms of high school, and then on that Olympic team. So, you know he didn't he didn't hesitate at all to say those guys. You know, yeah, uh, they were great. They would be great in the half court. You know, who wouldn't want to play with Michael and and of course Larry is kind of can do a lot of the things Mullen can, and just bigger. You know, and and maybe you know average a little more rebounds and, and passes the ball, but Mullen can do a lot of those things. Uh, at a really high level. So it's just awesome uh, to see him involved in that. And, um, you know, I'm not sure people know exactly how good of an NBA player I mean, he was. So he kind of slowed down. I think he might have little injuries at the yeah, end. Yeah, at there. the end. But, I mean, um, so he, he let's let's go into that real quick before we move on to the hard in the paint subject. Yeah. Um, Chris Mullen was the number seven overall pick in the 1985 draft. Oh, yeah, great pa- college Patrick Ewing was number one in that draft. Of course. Wayman Tisdale, number two. Benoit Benjamin, number three. Yeah. Xavier McDaniel, number four. Good John Conkack and Joe Joe Klein went <laughs> went five and big. six. People drew, they're bigs. People they were like big then, but they were like yeah. they were like you know hard hat bigs where yeah. they'd set a screen, they'd they'd rebound, they could finish in the paint. Um, Deadlift. Go yeah, ahead. Sorry to cut you off. I think you mentioned uh, big big Joe Klein, right? Joe Klein, yeah, yeah number six I, Sacramento. He was, he was on that Olympic team. Yeah, like your Bobby Knight, big guy. So I think I think you even asked our guy Frank Brosen. He saw a lot of the. Oh, he the, saw all of them. The thing there at in at the forum, the trial, like it was such great basketball. And I think you basically saw, besides with the addition of a few guys like Malone and Barkley, in '92 it was a, some of those guys that were in the '84 tryout. Okay. Stockton. Yeah. yeah. He mentioned they got cut. They got you know, cut. Barkley just got. He was that good. Yeah. Now maybe he was a little out of shape, and maybe him and Bobby Knight clash <laughs> because I remember people ask Michael Jordan, you know, ah, yeah, he cusses a lot. You know, it was a big thing. Like, 
Yeah, I never deal with it. He's different than Dean Smith, but I know how to deal with it. Well, Michael was such a transcendent talent. He figured out how to deal with it, and Bobby Knight figured out how to deal with him. Right. But for some of the other guys that were second tier, imagine being, we're calling Barkley Malone second tier. Right. You know, it's like... They're button heads. They're button heads. So he's like, I don't need this guy. I'm going to get Alvin Robertson. I'm going to get... The shooter from Cal State Fullerton. He mentioned shooting. Yeah, yeah shooting's he, Leon important. Wood. Leon Wood was on that team. Wolfie. So Wolfie's going to be yeah. an assistant coach. His son so Wolfie was going to be assistant coach of the Balls Eye American. So this year. let's let's jump into that. But yeah, that '84 team is legendary. If you yeah. guys don't know a lot about it, go go look it up. It was part of that successful '84 Olympics here in Los Angeles. One of the most successful international events ever. It created a lot of endowments for kids afterwards that's still going on today. Right. Because it was ran so well. We always talk about Olympics losing money. Obviously, there was the bombing in Atlanta. Oh, uh, Australia lost a lot of money. The yeah. 84 Olympics went off great. So let's hope that the 228 Olympics go off the same. Obviously, we'll have a lot more uh, stadiums here in LA. We'll have a lot more infrastructures, hotels. It's going to be a big yeah, thing. So it's going to be a lot of traffic. And I'm, it's going to be a lot of traffic. Dan is going to watch I'm not, Yeah, I'm watching them all. I'm not, I'm not getting yeah. any, anywhere near the freeways in so, the 2020 Olympics. That's, so we, that's a long ways away. Who knows if I'll even be here? Yeah, so there, yeah, you might uh, shoot yourself out of it. And, <laughs> I might be in Phoenix with a big house or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we talk about Leon Wood. He made that team again. Muller made that great point. Two great shooters. Alvin Robinson was a great defensive player who played on the 84 Olympic team. And the shooting... We're going to see a lot of it this week, and you mentioned uh, our guy Wood. He's going to be one of the uh, like coaches on the bench. We have Team Future versus Team Elite yep. at the 2019 Ball is Life All-American game set for uh, May 4th in Long Beach, California, Long Beach Convention Center. If you guys want tickets, you look for ticket information, go to ballislifeallamerican.com. Also, check out my Twitter feed. I've been posting some yeah. promo yeah. codes. Big, big time you, discounts. Yeah, I've been posting, for really good seats. Yeah, I've been posting some promo codes on there. You still got three, four days to go check it out. Uh, Devin, uh, take Team Elite here. Okay. Um, okay. And just so one or two players that you think stands out, and I'll, I'll take Team Future. Okay. So obviously, Team Elite. Uh, Anthony Edwards is the first name that jumps off the yeah. off the page to me. Uh, you know, his his high school team. Didn't have a great season no, as far as win-loss record goes. But individually, he averaged 25-9, and nine, uh, two assists. And he, he was originally a class of 2020, reclassified to 2019. He committed to Georgia. And just to kind of show how good Anthony Edwards is, um, as soon as he reclassified in 2019, he immediately became a top-two player in that class. Yeah, he's a consensus top-two player. Uh, and production, he might be the top. You know, obviously some people like James Wiseman. And there's no and, there, and there's a few other people that that could be in that mix as well. Cole yeah. Anthony, Nico Manning, we can go on. But for for Anthony Edwards, I think he's gonna show people, wow, he's that explosive. You know, he's gonna be noticeable out there when, right. when we and catch him this weekend. W- he was at the Pangos All American Camp uh, last summer, and yeah. he he had a dunk all over our guy Johnny Juzang. I yeah, mean, I think I think it kind of blew him to the that next was, level. Yeah, I and mean, that was a, his a moment. viral moment for for Anthony Edwards. And Ronnie, the second guy who jumps off uh, on this this list to me on this roster. Is Trendon Watford uh, from okay. Mountain Brook in Alabama? I'm a huge fan of his game. Six seven, six eight, kind of a, a combo forward who can who can really pass, scores it, rebounds. He does a little bit of everything, and that's the kind of guy, kind of player I like to watch. Is a guy yeah. who's who's able to identify, uh, you know, the pace and what what the game's shaping up as, and and tailor his game to what his team needs. And that's what Trendon Watford really does. Twenty three point seven points per game, eleven point eight rebounds per game, and three point six assists. And here's the big thing: is more a winner. Yeah, more important. He's a three-time he's a, Alabama state champion. Yeah, you know they finished number five in the Fat Fifty. We've been over that earlier in in this, you know, season. 
the big game, IMG Academy was uh, finished number one. They won Geico's Nationals. Trenton Wofford, tell them what, what he did. I mean, he had, he had 38 and 12 against I mean, a team so, that ended up being the number one team in the country. So if he has anywhere near yeah. that type of performance, he yeah. might be in that MVP running. Let's switch over real quick to, to Team Future. There's a lot of uh, storylines. We got some undecided guys. Precious Achua. Yeah. You know, who I'm is the guy I would spotlight, you know, six foot eight out of Montverde Academy. We saw what he can do during the season. We saw what he can do at Geico. He played in the McDonald's game. He was game high 22 points. Precious is not going to hold back. I mean, he's going to get the ball and try to. He always take competes. It to the rack. He's a competitor. Yeah, you know, so he went for 22 points in that game. He was one of the better international players at the Nike Hoop Summit. Yep. He was on the opposite team. Uh, Precious 15 and 11. So I'm looking for him to have close to a double double, yeah. I, I would think. For and, sure. And be one of the leading players on, on Team Future. I like some of the guard matchups. I like Trey Mann on Team Elite versus Tyrese Maxey. That's kind of interesting to me. Uh, so I would say Tyrese Maxey's a guy, you know, we talk about Olympics and the, some of the younger guys that have been in, in the younger USA basketball Olympic uh, system. He's yeah. one of those guys. He played in the 218 FIBA Americas, 18 under. You know, they they won that. He's pretty. He's experienced, to, man. Guys, he does, yeah. Kudos to Trey. Tyrese Max, he's played in all the All Star games. Yeah, McDonald's, Jordan, Hoop Summit, and this one. So you know he's been been <laughs> he's busy. well traveled. He's, yeah, well he's traveled. got his freaking flyer miles. Yeah, he I does. wonder if Eric and Matt are giving him some freaking flyer miles there you know, <laughs> for his future accounts. So uh, you know, shout out to him, uh, Devin. Talk a little bit about a couple of the undecided guys. I mean, it's late in the game. We're heading here to to May. We're in May now. Uh, you know, we talked about Trenton Wofford. Yeah, he's so undecided. Talk about the latest uh, recruiting development that you found out. Yeah, so um, Boogie Ellis, we, we spoke about this in last week's pod, episode 21. Go listen to it um, to catch up. Duke uh, was, Boogie was going to Duke, and we talked about Southern California players heading heading east and how they fare, which is normally not too well. Well, this morning, Boogie decided to decommit from Duke. and okay. um, or ask for his, ask for, yeah, out of his NLI. Uh, national letter of intent. You so have it's to, a little different than decommitting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you He's sign. You ask, sign. Yeah. You sign the NLI. It goes to the school. It goes to the NCAA, yeah. and it means you're, it's like a binding agreement. Correct. Um, for a high school kid to make to a, a, a institution, so you have to ask out of it, and then um, we'll see if Duke and the NCAA grant Boogie his release. But that that's an interesting little layer, um, because. They're on opposite teams. All, him and Cassius Stanley, who committed to Duke last week, are on opposite teams. So, are we going to see Ronnie? Are we going to see some head-to-head yeah, action here? That's what are we you, want. So we got to set the we got to set the the substitution patterns. We got to we got to make sure that we put uh, those guys against each yeah, other in the second. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna be going up against each other. So yes, there we go. It, it'll be good. You know, we we got to uh, we're trying to mix and match for the fans. You know, to see some good basketball. Last year, we had a. A great game. It was an overtime game. So, you know, overtime game, you can't get any better than that. Moses Brown was one of the MVPs. Uh, Emmett Williams, we kind of spotlighted Emmett Williams like we spotlighted Precious and Anthony. And he he had 31 points and 12 rebounds. Right. Emmett Williams at, at LSU, he had a good game. So you can kind of, uh, based on the matchups, kind of see, well, who's going to, you know, have a chance, an opportunity to shine. And Emmett was one of those guys. And it's very interesting, Moses Brown, uh, comes from that New Heights program. New Heights, right? yep. So that's the program Precious comes from. So right. Precious is looking forward to having a good game. Uh, any prediction on anybody you think that might have a good game? Obviously, everybody's going to get playing time. Yeah, I mean... Just based on matchups or based so, on what you you know what you like. So the thing about All-Star games is most of the time it's kind of up and down, no defense. Sure. So the, of course. the numbers as far as scoring goes are, are going yeah. to be up there. I think a guy who uh, you didn't mention for Team Future, but who I like is Drew Timmy from 
Pierce in, in Texas. I, he's going to Gonzaga, and if you go to Gonzaga, you have to be good at basketball, oh, right? Yeah, I know and you like those guys. I like those guys. I like the yeah. guys who can pass. I like the guys who yeah. can – he's 6'9". He can shoot a little bit. Got some back-to-the-basket game, but he's he's one of those guys who everyone likes to refer to as sneaky athletic, right? Interesting. A white guy who can a yeah. white guy who can move and jump a little bit. Sounds like our guy Chris Mullen. It sounds like Chris Mullen, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously not the same kind of game, but – No, same – yeah, but, but again, he's that, that kind sneaky. of player. IQ-wise – Yeah. Um, what he brings to the floor on on both ends, he, he's always a guy who's always talked on defense and kind of done things the right way. I like to see the Ball's Life game what they what they do a nice job of. They always include a couple guys who might be underrated or underappreciated under radar, at a national level, but sure. they come and they bring a, a a sense of toughness, a sense of like a chip on their shoulder, competitiveness. Yeah, come to show you know that they belong in that conversation. And the Ball's Life game always does a good job of that. And I think Drew Timmy's one of those guys. Yeah, and I, I like to see that match because they. Both teams guard oriented this year. Just happened. That's just the way it is. So I mean, Drew Timmy's going to go up against Onyeka. Those are the kind of two guys. Fun, yeah. So if Timmy can get hot, take Onyeka outside, then maybe Onyeka is going to try to match him. You know, because Onyeka's to me on that team elite is going to be the one guy who's going to try to guard the paint a little bit. You know, that's what he does. He's a yeah, rim protector. Yeah, and he's not going to spray too much from that. I think the uh, people are also going to like uh, Jaime. You know, from Cameroon. Jaime Jaquez. Yeah, he competes. He's a late ad, and he competes. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that that he was a late add to this game because uh, he's a local guy. Um, you know, he doesn't really draw too much attention because he plays at a small high school. But he's good. Oh my! He averaged above 33 points a game this year. Yeah. Uh, and he's just a guy. He's six six. He's athletic. He's strong. He can he can shoot it from the perimeter. He's a guy. Like I said, he's like a a, a glue guy, but yeah. a glue guy plus. Like he's yeah. an extremely good basketball player, but he's willing to do all the little things that that help a team win. Yeah. You know. Jaime, you look at it. Obviously, we don't talk about that region much. I went to UC Santa Barbara, but that San, Ventura County, Santa Barbara County, going into San Luis Obispo, you know, we, we don't talk about that much, admittedly. It's tough but, to get up there, man. Yeah, it's tough <laughs> to get up there. You know, there's not as much density of population, but Jaime is one of the best Ventura County players ever, ever. of all time. Yeah. No doubt about it. Now, he got a little overshadowed as an underclassman staying, playing in that league with um, Riley Batten, who's at sure. Utah. That team was very good and got a lot of publicity. Drake London's in that league. But that whole league, you know, Jaime, just the numbers he's put up, these school records, 2,627 points. He's over, over 1,100 career rebounds. This year he is number two all-time in, the, in, the, in that area for, for points, 917 points um, in that county in one season. I in mean, a single was, season, yeah. He's terrific. The guy is... Just had a terrific year. So I'm looking forward to that. Should be a good event. May 4th, mark your calendars. Long Beach Convention Center. You can watch the stream if you're out of state on Facebook Live. Uh, start looking for that about 3 p.m. Pacific. So that would be 6 p.m. Eastern. Yep. Uh, the game will probably start about 45 to an hour minutes later. There's going to be a dunk contest. There's some good dunkers in this group. So tune in starting about 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Devin, talk a little bit more, and then you can close this out. Yeah, and if, if you guys have you know nothing more important to do, I'm not sure what else would be more important than the Balls That Ball American game. On but a Saturday. On a Sunday. Saturday. Yep. Sunny Saturday in Long Beach, California. May 4th. Yep. Uh, in a couple days. Tickets are available on BallsLifeAllAmericanGame.com. Uh, Ronnie Flores. Go to his Twitter account, at Ronnie Flores. Um He's got some... Actually, excuse me. It's at Ron M. Flores. Yep. My bad. My bad. Yeah, at, at Ron M. Flores. He's got some big-time discounts and promo codes that you can use to get discounts on really good seats. 
Um, but again, yeah, so we're going to close it out here for this week. Sorry it came to you so late, but we had to, um, you know, make sure we had everything in place for the for the All-American game this weekend. And we're hoping to see you out there. If you see us there uh, and you listen to the show, give us a shout and we'll say what's up. Um, but for Devin Newland and Ron M. Flores, that will do it for uh, this episode of In the Paint. <laughs>